Well, good morning, UBC family. Man, what a great day to be at church. Phil and team, thank you guys for leading us in worship. Man, can we just say thank you? That God's given us the gift of music um, and to be able to sing praises to him. Songs are important to me um, for all of my ministry life. Um, I've been playing acoustic guitar and, and just singing, and that particular song has been really meaningful to me at different seasons in my life. Um, and the, the bridge of that song is the one that gets me every time. You split the sea. I change the words and I say, you split that sea, the one that I'm thinking about. You split that sea so I could walk right through it. My fears, which were so many, uh, were drowned when I recognized how much God loved me. And you rescued me, God, <laughs> so I could stand and sing and declare I'm a child of God. So singing corporately here as a church is really, really important. So I'm glad. Thanks for singing. I was looking across and just people worshiping. Man, that just ministered to my heart. So thank you all very, very much. My name is Bill Letcher. We're going to get into the message this morning. <laughs> um, my name is Bill Letcher. I serve here as the director of Connections and Community Life. Um, I joined staff just about six months ago, and it's been a joy and a privilege to be able to serve um, this local body here vocationally. Um, my family and I are blessed to be here also. We've been attending for about a year and a half, um, and it's just neat to see how more connected we are here to this local church body. And I just want to say thank you for being a blessing to us um, here at this church, welcoming my family and I, um, and again, being part of our family now as well. And, as, and from my perspective, there's just like, this room is full, and it's full of people who have gathered here together not to hear Bill, not really to hear Jason each week or listen to Phil with music. Um, we're here because we're here to hear from God. And I know that that's our heartbeat this morning. If you're new here today, um, and this is your first time, you picked a great Sunday to be here. Um, we've got all kinds of things going on right after this service. You may have noticed a couple white tents out there. If you didn't, you must have come in from that way. Um, we're having our church picnic today, right afterwards. Even if you didn't bring anything or you just heard about it, stick around. We'd love to have you here. We also have um, our UBC involvement fair for our ministries. So we have over 20 tables set up and back out the lobby back that way. And it's a chance for you all to learn about the different ministries that we have here at the church to be involved in, to serve in. Um, and again, all of our ministry leaders are out there. Um, so make sure that you swing by there as you're getting your food for the church picnic. We also have the infamous Cornhole Tournament, um, which is here, which the staff told me um, that they are highly competitive when it comes to this. So if you happen to face one of the staff members, um, just be aware, um, this is cutthroat. So just, there, there may or may not be some uh, tomfoolery going on with all of that. The last time I spoke was back on Mother's Day, um, just a few um, months ago. But there's a few things that have happened just in our family life, uh, our personal family, uh, since that time. Uh, in June, Kathy and I celebrated our 24 years of marriage together. So thank you. <laughs> the credit goes to her. <laughs> Every man in the room's like, yep, let's preach it, brother. Um, we now have two kids uh, that are in college, uh, had another one uh, join as a freshman this year, and then also we have two middle schoolers now. I'm like, where did that, like, where did the time fly that you know, our son, youngest one, is now up into sixth grade? He's one of the ones that Rob talked about, like the 5,000 new sixth graders that were coming in. A mild exaggeration, uh, but they're part of that really of that group. And I love student ministries, um, and I love it that uh, there are uh, adult leaders who invest and pour in their time. So if you're one of those leaders, thank you for investing in my kids um, with this, and we're thankful for all of the ones who have invested in our children over the years. 
This past summer, we took a trip out to northeast Iowa to go see Kathy's family um, out there. My in-laws, if you all are watching, David and Debbie, thank you again for having us out each year. We love you all um, and are thankful to be able to go out each year. The farm is great out there, middle of corn and beans. Um, it's just so relaxing, like nothing's around. Um, and you might say, gee, that sounds boring. It's rest. And so we love going out there and then being able to go to their home church as well. Uh, so it's just neat to be out there with them. Um, we are a homeschool family, and so homeschool has once again started up. In reality, does it ever end for homeschoolers? Like, it's, But we're in our, uh, I don't know, eighth, ninth, tenth year, something like that of homeschooling. Um, and we just counted a privilege to be able to uh, train our children, um, and we're thankful for the community that he's placed us in to be able to, again, help our children know who Christ is and then to make him known um, here and near and everywhere as we do here at church. Another thing that happened just here recently in the past month or so, um, we had two of our vehicles um, become mechanically retired. Um, the family minivan, you know, the one that, you know, you just run the wheels off of it and everything like that, yesterday got taken away on a flatbed. Um, there was a somber moment in our house. I felt mildly defeated, I told my family, but you know what? God's blessed us um, with vehicles. Um, so again, that one got taken off. Uh, we'd already had a replacement as well. So again, uh, just a couple things, but it's just bad. It's just like, oh, I should have been able to fix that, um, but it couldn't. We'll talk a little bit about that later on in the service. Again, we're grateful to be part of the UBC family here. Um, all kinds of things going on. Um, and again, I encourage you to stick around for uh, the church picnic and the involvement fair afterwards. Um, it's a great day again to be at UBC. Um, again, if this is your first time here um, and wherever or however you're watching this service or listening to this service, um, we're glad that you took the time uh, to actually be here with us um, and to listen to these messages as we hear from God through his word today. Our mission here at UBC um, is this. We exist to make wholehearted followers or disciples of Jesus Christ who do two things, who know him and then make him known wherever God has called us to. That's why we're here. Um, so again, if you're new, fill out that connection card, jump online for the I'm new here form, but we truly wanna help people to get connected here at UBC. Here's what to expect this morning. Um, we're uh, going to be continuing on, on our fourth message in our Connected We Do Better Together series. We'll review those here in just a second. Um, but uh, we've had the privilege of doing this. I was trying, I was talking with someone in between services and saying I should have brought a little Connect Four thing up here because we're connecting and it's four. Um, but again, I, I would have messed that up completely. But again, it's the fourth and final message here in our series. Um, today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 here in just a little bit. We're going to make some, a few observations and comments about that particular passage. And then at the end, we'll share a couple applications, things that you can take home with you and actually have a chance to actually do right here in the service. Um, we're also going to hear from um, one of our family, church family, um, who has experienced uh, the connectedness um, and has enjoyed that while they themselves are going through a pretty pretty rough time of suffering. And we'll hear about how this person, again, gives God glory. And then at the end of the service, we're going to put two really big QR codes um, on the screen. And with your phone, you'll have a chance to pull those out. And it will link us to a place um, where you can find out more about how you can be connected to one of our groups here at the church. Jason did that survey almost two months ago now, six weeks ago, where we had to scan a QR code. Thank you for doing that. <clears throat> they gave us really good information. 
to really see uh, the 700 people that actually did that, um, how many people are connected and at what level. And so part of how we've uh, organized this sermon series is based upon that because we desire for everyone to be connected at some level here at UBC. And primarily the best way for connection um, is through groups. We can connect somewhat here in this large room with hundreds of people in it. Um, You can connect through serving, but we want to get people connected, everyone, that's our goal, to get connected some way to a group um, here at UBC, because we think that that's how life will be done better when we do that together, and we'll explain that just a little bit more. Um, There are things in life that that need to be connected. As I told you, our our vehicles, God's given me the ability to tear stuff apart and see how it works. I have a natural curiosity of of how mechanically, I should have been a mechanical engineer, I guess, um, in another life. But there are things in in, uh, life that should be connected. I drive the 1993 F-150, which sits across the parking lot. Um, God's given that to me. Um, There are a few things on that uh, 93 F-150 that not that long ago became not connected. Um, I was driving down the road, and I just, old vehicles make noises, um, but you know when you drive it and you're like, that sounds, you know, something new. Um, And it was just a little bit of a a, a tick or something was hitting, um, and over time that's gotten worse and worse. What I discovered was, is that the radiator mount, I call it the the saddle, that the radiator and like everything in the front and the grill, everything connects onto, um, where that bolts onto the frame rails was actually rusted through, and that wasn't truly being connected at that point to the frame. So every time you hit a bump, Um, the bumper and the frame comes up and the engine and everything in the front there stays solid. And so there's this this little clicking. And over time, it's gotten just a little bit worse. You know what? The people who designed that thing thought it really important for it to be connected at that spot. Given enough time, if I don't get it repaired soon, um, more things will start to become disconnected and that will be really bad. And you'll hopefully not see that vehicle on the flatbed being hauled away also. But like things in life are supposed to be connected. God's designed us to be connected with other believers. If you are a follower of Christ, a born-again Christian, you are saved. You, um, God expects us to be connected uh, closely with other believers. And we're going to see that from the passage today and get some explanations of that. To review what we've been talking about for the past several weeks in our Connected series, in week one, Jason shared that doing church life better together starts with remembering who we are. We looked at Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2, and we saw how it described um, the church as a body and as a temple um, and really as a family. And each one of those things shows God's interdependent design for his church. We're supposed to do life better together. In week two, Bryson, my coworker, I love the man. Um, been such a blessing to be able to work with him as he leads our group's ministries. Um, in Ephesians chapter four, we saw that we do growth in Christ better together. We saw how the church helps us to show our unity, know our Lord, and then live in the truth that he gives us through his word. Most importantly, I think, we saw that it's really our responsibility to become connected and to grow 
in our faith and in our discipleship um, to be more like Jesus. And that responsibility falls back on us. I have to take the initiative and really be in charge of my spiritual growth. Like I, that's something that God wants us to do. And if we're not growing, um, we can blame it on other people, or I never was discipled, or I got saved later in life or too early in life, whatever it might be. Really, it's our responsibility, and we're going to give some very practical ways to uh, help with that here at the end of the service. Last week, Jason challenged us that as a church, we do our fight against sin better together. We looked at Galatians chapter 6, and we discovered that the battle against sin should always be an us thing. And that's terrifying to think of at times. But really, the battle against our sin, our sinful flesh, should, should be done in an us mentality. We should also fight sin gently and humbly. And the reason that we must fight sin together, it's because of Jesus and the instructions that he's given to us. Um, I was really encouraged by that as I was sitting over here during second service last week and just thinking of all those years and all that time where I didn't fight sin together with other believers, um, with other people that I didn't open up and share um, and how isolating that was for, for a long time. Um, for all kinds of reasons. But I'm thankful that now there's people in my life um, that I can walk through my sin together with and they don't judge and they don't condemn and they encourage me. Do you have someone in your life like that? Every one of us in the room has that sin that we're thinking of. Like there's no way I would ever let anybody else know that. You know, it's just too much. It's too hard. I like that sin too much. I'm not ready to give it up. Whatever it might be, um, you will fight sin better together and it always needs to be an us thing. I'm thankful that I don't have to fight my sin on my own. Today, our big idea is this. We handle life's struggles better together. Now, you might say struggles meaning sins. That's not really what the word means. We're going to unpack that here in a second. As members in this church body, only through the power of Jesus will we be able to handle life's struggles better together. And he has given us everything that we need in his word and by his spirit so let's examine his word together. Today, our text is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start and focus on verses 12 through 27. Now, the word Corinthian may come to mind if you were here during our Acts series um, for well over a year as we were going through that. Um, we saw that Paul um, is writing or is writing to this real church or group of churches in the city of Corinth. Now, the Apostle Paul founded the city of Corinth, and we saw that in Acts chapter 18, which shows that Paul traveled to Corinth, where there he met fellow tent makers like Paul, and their names were Priscilla and Aquila. Scripture says there in, in Acts chapter 18, it says, Paul became wholly absorbed with proclaiming the word or the gospel, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was really the Christ. That was a big hang-up for the Jewish population there. They're like, we know that there's a Messiah to prophesied to come, um, and Paul's like, it's Jesus, Jesus Christ. And he told them, and we've got all the, uh, of what his communication there was in, in his uh, sermons to the, to the Corinthian church and many others. But he always declared that Jesus is the Christ. He's the one you've been looking for. And he testified that by his death, burial, and resurrection. A few years, though, after Paul had left Corinth, he gets word that the Corinthian church needs to be re-instructed on some of the things that either he didn't have a chance to topic-wise talk with them then or just things that they needed to grow in their spiritual faith. He heard some disturbing reports about the Corinthian church. 
they were full of pride and they were excusing sexual immorality even within the church. Spiritual gifts were being used improperly and there was a rampant misunderstanding of some key Christian doctrines. So the Apostle Paul writes a letter, what we call 1 Corinthians. He wrote that around AD 55, many years after he had gone there, what we find out in the book of Acts. And it was an attempt to restore the Corinthian church to its foundation, which he clearly states is Jesus Christ. So in the first part of chapter 12, 12, Paul here addresses confusion and misuse when it comes to spiritual gifts. Paul states that the purpose of the different kinds of Holy Spirit given gifts is is for the benefit and common good of the local church. In verse 11, Paul states that the Spirit of God is the only source of those many different kinds of gifts. He says, it is one and the same Spirit who produces all things. He, God's Spirit, distributes them just as He decides for each person. These verses show that the church should show unity in the middle of its complexity and diversity. The local church should always show unity in everything while being extremely complex and while being extremely diverse. And the unity factor is Jesus. That's the thought that leads us into our texts today. So let's look starting in verse 12 through 19. We're going to see that the body of Christ is made up of many parts, not just one. Verse 12 says, for just as the body is one, talking about the physical body here, just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are still one body, so it is with Christ. Paul here uses a literary metaphor by comparing the human body to the body of Christ, his church. If you've been in church for long or you probably understand this concept. I'm not going to camp on it, Uh, but it's just a comparison. And he's using that to help explain um, the spiritual concept of how uh, the spirit of God gives gifts um, and how the church should operate. Verse 13, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. There's some confusion on this passage, but the baptism spoken of here is not water baptism. It speaks, the passage here speaks of the spirit baptism at the moment of salvation when Jesus Christ is the one who does the baptizing of a believer or someone into the body of Christ. And he does that with God's spirit. Mark chapter one, verse eight, um, was prophesied that Jesus, the one who comes after me, uh, John the Baptist said, um, will baptize you. I baptize with water, but the one coming after you is going to baptize you um, with God's spirit. Ephesians chapter one, the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, when you get saved, receive Christ as your savior for the forgiveness of your sins and the security of your eternal life seals you actually, um, puts a, a seal, using the, old, the uh, imagery there um, of the day, um, where that cannot be unsealed. Um, and so you are secure in your salvation um, until the day that, again, you meet Jesus face to face. So then all believers are placed in Christ's body and all receive the sustaining life of God through that one spirit. No matter your nationality, your income, your place in society, Acts 4.12 says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And friends, that name is Jesus. 
And I'm so glad that my forgiveness and my salvation are secured by my Savior, Jesus Christ. That saving grace is a gift of God. It's not of my works and it's nothing great that I can accomplish. Um, and it's only a gift from God so that I don't have any room to boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 talks about that. Many times when I'm sharing the gospel with people, I'll talk about um, in this passage, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And I'll say, um, if I take this pen and I give it to you um, and I just say, listen, this is a gift to you. What's the only thing you have to do? You have to just reach out and accept it. You could say, oh, that's a great gift, um, but I'm not going to take it. Um, salvation, only because God opens up our eyes. It's a free gift. Now, let's say um, I give this to Hannah, and Hannah's like, oh, wait, thank you so much, and she starts digging around in her purse, and she's looking for money. I'd be like, no, 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 it, it's just a gift. She's like, but I have to pay you for it. What does it become then? It's just a transaction. It's not truly a, a gift. Salvation, for us, it's a gift. And our job, and if you're here today and you've never received that gift, free gift of salvation, I encourage you, let today be the day of your salvation. Let's move on to verse 14. Paul continues, he says, going back to the body principle, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I really don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I really don't belong to the body. Saying that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, how would we smell? But as it is, verse 18, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, I love this, as he chooses. If all were a single member, where would the concept of body be? In these verses, body parts are being compared to spiritual gifts. And the purpose of the different kinds of gifts is for the benefit and the common good of the church body. A person in the Corinthian church who did not get the most sought after, spectacular sign gift um, of the wow factor shouldn't say that because I don't have this preferred gift um, or ability that I'm not part of the local church body, like I don't carry any value. These verses are really centered around a rhetorical question that I think we might be able to ask this morning. What would happen if all the parts of the body, let's just say even this body, were one and the same? What if everybody was an eye, or a foot, or a hand, or an ear? The body would really not be a body. I have an 11-year-old son, and he has a vivid imagination. Can you imagine some picture of a creature that, let's just say, was all ears? I mean, some of your video gaming and some weird YouTube stuff people may have made up. Or, or imagine, like, just a creature that was just all a foot um, or a heel. Or let's just say a bunch of noses. Like, we would say, that's ridiculous. It's, it's weird, it's freaky, um, and really... It's not really usable. Why? Because a body, a true beneficial, useful body, is not made up of all the same part. If everybody was an ear, big toe, or knees, how ridiculous and terrifying and useless that that would be. Do you here today, as a follower of Christ, do you know someone at church who has a gifting that you really wish that you had? I stand up here sometimes and I'm like, Jason fills this pulpit 
most of the time, wonderful communicator of God. Why can't I be more like Jason? Or I see Phil playing guitar, um, and I've had a chance to lead worship at different churches in the past in different settings, and I think, he's got a better guitar than me. Why can't I play guitar like Phil? Even when I was singing this morning, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to concentrate on that, but I'm like watching how he moves his hands. It's like, oh, he's just, he's a good guitar player. And singing, um, they sing. What is it that you see that you're like, I don't really bring anything that's useful or beneficial to this church body? You ever feel that way? How could I serve here at church? What giftings do I have? You may think that with preaching, counseling, you may see other people as being better greeters because you feel like an introvert and that would terrify you. Singing, organizing. I'm so thankful for Bryson. He's, he is gifted in organizing um, and he's done a, an amazing job with the group's ministries, um, organizing those things. Maybe um, you wish you could talk to people more um, about Christ more naturally and so you wish you had some evangelism kind of gifting. You're like, there's people at work that God's burdened my heart for, but I don't know what to say and I'm terrified. You feel like Moses, you know, Lord, I can't speak. Um, And God's going to say, you know what? I've called you to do some things. You need to do that. Maybe you wish you had uh, the ability to show acts of mercy. Or maybe you wish you just had more so that you could give more and really show that gifting of of generosity. Maybe it's teaching. I, I don't know what it might be. Each one of us probably feels deficient in some way. But God has given every single believer a unique gifting and skill um, gifting from him to be able to accomplish what he wants for you individually and also corporately here at this church. So what gifting do you have? If you've struggled with that over the years, especially some of you uh, younger ones that are in the room, if you're like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I like doing this, I like doing that. Find spiritual mentors around you. Find people who know you, two or three of them, and say, hey, listen, we were challenged today in church. What do you think that God has equipped me with so that I could serve, um, make, help more people know about him, but also so that I can encourage or, or serve um, or uh, encourage someone here in my local church? I really encourage you to pursue that because you'd be surprised at what they say. I've had people share that uh, with me over the years as I've asked them. Um, and it's amazing, people uh, sit, if you've ever been in a uh, round table or the hot seat where you're in the middle and the people around you, like on a team, are like, here's what you're really good at. You know, you f- you're like, I never saw that in me. We need other Christian people in our lives and spiritual mentors who will speak the truth to us and encourage us and help us to discover what our gifts really are. If you are saved, you have a unique gifting from God. Think of this. You are an invaluable piece of the body here at Christ. And God wants you to use your gifting to build up um, for the common good um, here at this local church. We call that equipping. Don't keep that gifting to yourself. Don't be ashamed of how God's wired you up because you didn't pick that gifting anyway. It's a gift of God. And since it's a gift from God that he's given you, he'll help you to use it for the purpose of building up this local church body. I didn't share this in first service, um, but I'm wired up to be the tender, compassionate kind of guy. Like, I get my feelings hurt, and and as a young kid, man, I really worked through that um, and really struggled with that. Any kind of criticism, um, I was told, you know, oh, this is constructive criticism. I'm like, no, it's not, it's just mean. Ah. And as an adult, I've had to work through that, and I'm still working through it, um, even at my age. Um, And I had someone in a conversation, um, a family member, extended family member, look at me and say, you know what, Billy? That's how the person, but he said, Billy, you're just too thin-skinned. And man, 
Those kinds of things just really, really, the enemy uses to, to get to me and keeps me quiet and subdued. Man, I, why take the risk? Because here's some people who, or someone who really like has, has crushed my spirit with that. And God showed me in that moment during this conversation after multiple times of going through the same thing. I said, you know what? I said, thank you for your perspective. I said, you know me pretty well. But I said, I think we need a little bit more. We need more men um, in this world who are a little bit more compassionate and tender and, and are able to uh, share with the emotions of other people as well. For me, I think that's a gifting that God's given me. So many times and for so long, I thought that as something that was debilitating or keeping me. Why can't I be that type A personality who's out in the front um, and just, you know, taking charge? And why can't I be the guy with the flag? You know, come on, let's go this way. Like, that's just not me. And I always thought that was so bad for so long. What I've realized is, um, and through God's grace, that I can use those gifts and abilities and I can meet with people. I can meet with other men and just share those moments with them and encourage them and get down on those feelings level that the staff teases me about right here. Um, but to get down on those feelings level and to say, you know what? I get it. God loves you. Let's work through this together. That's how God's wired me up. And I'm being okay, more okay with that um, is how God's created me. You may be here and just thinking, I don't know what I bring to the table. I encourage you, find somebody um, and to really pursue that. Why? Because of Jesus, and it will build his church, this church, better together. God is the one who places each member in the body, as, as the verse says, just as he wants. So the second part of our text, starting in verse 20, we're going to focus on, though the body of Christ has many parts, it's still just one uh, body. In the first section that we just had looked at, the focus is really on that one person or that one member that doesn't think that they belong or that they should really be in the body. The section starting in verse 20 focuses on all the other members of a body who say, we don't really know if we need you in the body because of how you are. So um, verse 20, and again, focuses on the rest of that um, verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, yet there's still just one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the feet or the head can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. Can you imagine the eye saying to any of its parts, nope, I really don't need you anymore. I'm more important than you and you're less than me. As I get older, um, I realize I'm losing my eyesight. And the other uh, week, I was uh, at the kitchen table working on bills, um, and I'm fully convinced that the people who make, like, your water bill and your electric bill and stuff, I think intentionally, they print those things in, like, four-point font or something like that. It's so small. And I'm doing this, and I had, had a guy tell me once, eventually you're going to run out of arm. Um, and I think that that has, has happened for me. Um, <laughs> what I've realized is, is that just because I can't see doesn't mean um, that I still can't accomplish what I need to. If my eyes were to say, arm, hand, I don't need you, how in the world would my body be able to reach into my bag and pull out my little readers that I'm occasionally wearing and put those on so that my eyes could actually see? The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. So it is with the body of Christ. My eyes needed my arms and my hands to get my reading glasses on so that I could see, so that the eye would be useful. 
When you lose or you can't use any part of your body, it does affect the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Verse 22, Paul says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we actually bestow greater honor. And on the unpresentable parts, those are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts don't require. A few things in these verses. I love it where it says members that seem to be weaker. The word seem to be there has this idea of perception. And these weaker members are perceived as being feeble or sick. And the word actually talks about without strength. Sometimes other members don't think very highly of someone that doesn't seem to be pulling their weight or really a burden or an inconvenience. Um, If you've ever gone on a group trip and you've had people in the, in the uh, uh, group that weren't quite as fast as the other folks. There are some people who do complain. Um, we all have agendas and stuff like that. Um, that person may be viewed as a weak link, um, just not able to keep up, whatever it might be. This happens here in our church at times as well. Many times, not always, but it's when dealing with people who are elderly. Maybe people in our congregation that are financially challenged. Maybe it's people with mental health struggles or even physical struggles. Listen to me. If you feel that way, like I have felt before, like dead weight, whatever it might be, that you're just not, not uh, you shouldn't be part of the body. If you're feeling that way, you are not an inconvenience to, a bo- to this body. You are actually indispensable. You're essential. It really means that which one cannot do without. Every member of this local body, everybody who calls themselves a a follower of Christ, you've had life uh, transformation inside of you, born again, um, saved, you have a unique gifting from God that as a church body, if you're not here or if you're not connected, the body is weaker because of that. You're not an inconvenience. You're actually indispensable. You're actually essential. So don't ever, don't ever believe the lies of the enemy when he throws that at us. We all need to be um, connected to each other. The rest of verse 24 says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. So that, purpose here, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you, you are the body of Christ and you are individually members of it. My two favorite words in the Bible, but God. I love that. I did a study on this several months ago and just listed out all the references and there's a lot um, where the word but God is mentioned. It shows contrast and it always shows that what God's plan is is always better than anything that we could have come up with or that this world has to offer. Paul says here that in God's way of thinking, every part of a local body is valued by him. And we are essential. The word so that here, it's a purpose statement. And there's two things that the purpose of God arranging the body how he did. Number one, it's so that there's no division 
in the body. Division means schism. I've been reading about Antarctica and whatever giant ice shelf is getting ready to split off and there's a big old gigantic uh, a void um, where that ice shelf is detaching in the natural processes of it doing that. Uh, that's gonna detach and float away sometime. We don't want that to be here at this church. We don't want people to detach and become disconnected and float away. You are essential to be here at this local church. The second thing, the purpose here, is so that we can, God's arranged the parts of the body, so that we can have equal care for each other. So the result of a local church body treating each other in this way is so that when one person is suffering, everyone else, so it's so that everyone else doesn't say, well, they should have known better, I told them so, or oh, you poor thing. When someone in our church is suffering, it should be felt by many of the other parts of this church body. And if someone is honored and succeeds and gets recognition, the rest of the body should rejoice and, and be joyful um, and, and celebrate with them also. I want you to hear from uh, someone in our church who um, is going through suffering, but is also finding great joy and comfort in being connected here to this local body. I want you to watch Hannah's story now. I'm Hannah Mitchell. A few years ago, I was contentedly attending church and small group with my family when I got an unexpected wake-up call. At the time, I wasn't well enough to be attending church in person. And during that break, a good friend of mine suggested that I listen to her church, UBC, online. And so the following Sunday, I tuned in to UBC. I remember after that message, feeling like I had so much spiritual meat to chew on. And that made me realize that had been missing in my life. My husband and I realized our need to be in a church where we are being challenged and growing spiritually. So we became regular attenders at UBC. Since that day three years ago, I feel like my spiritual growth has grown more than the entire time that I've been a Christ follower. I feel like every time I come away from a sermon or a Bible study or growth group, um, I have something new to think about or that I've learned or something to learn more about. And um, I've just never felt closer to my savior. My family moved here from Colorado and the first four years we were here, we had no community. It was a very hurtful and challenging time. And that changed almost overnight with UBC. Our whole family has just been embraced and supported and loved by the people here at UBC. And um, we have a unique situation. I have a terminal illness and most people steer clear of suffering, but that has not been the case. So many people have come and stood in our corner and stayed in our corner, which is something we have never had before. The friendships here are just unlike any that we've ever experienced. I have women mentoring and nurturing me. 
There are women that I am able to nurture and speak into their lives. Not a day goes by that my conversation and activities aren't entwined with people from UBC. I just can't imagine life without that now. This living in church community at UBC is so starkly different than the life we were living without having community. Um, it's incredible and my spiritual walk is continually growing and being challenged and refined by people who are willing to talk about the tough stuff. They're not afraid to speak the truth in love and point me back in the direction I should be going. I just can't imagine my life without these relationships now. And this kind of real life living out my spiritual walk has caused spiritual growth for me that I have never had before. I'm so thankful God led us to UBC and for each of the amazing people we've gotten to know here. We deal with struggles better together. Thank you. Most people steer clear of suffering, but not here. We've been embraced. Church body, thanks for loving on Hannah and her family and continuing to do that. UBC family, we were created to do life better and to do life struggles better together. Got a couple takeaways for us today. Got three. Number one, the more connected we are, the stronger and healthier our church will be. I heard someone ask in a uh, meeting recently, what's the opposite of addiction? People answered sobriety, recovery, and the speaker quietly said, no, the opposite of addiction is connectedness. The opposite of addiction is connectedness. At UBC, our success in becoming wholehearted followers of Jesus should not be measured against the size of our buildings, the expansion of our programs, or our God-given financial resources. Our success should be measured by a fierce, fierce passion in our hearts that when we see the suffering among us, we declare you will not go through this alone. That needs to be that our, our heartbeat, that we see people who are suffering and say, we're gonna walk through this with you. I encourage you to find people in your life and to not run from suffering, but to run toward it and to say, how can I help carry this with you and embrace this uh, person and embrace their suffering? Jesus said that the world will know that we're his disciples by the love that we have for each other. Not a toleration, but a true love and a true connection with each other. The second takeaway is this. Disconnection from the church will make you spiritually unhealthy and actually vulnerable. Have you ever met a grumpy person in church? Chances are they're really not connected with too many passionate Christ followers or spiritually minded Christians. The New Testament really doesn't allow for isolated Christians because it doesn't promote health. When I was a kid, there was a TV show called Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Anybody? Yeah? I loved that show. Farm kid, growing up, like, we went to the zoo. But on TV, you got to see, like, all these exotic animals from Africa and all these things and all how the animal kingdom works, which is essentially 
animals eat each other, um, like survival and stuff like that. The one that always intrigued me was when the lion was chasing the herd of wildebeests. And the lion, you know, and all the drama and the music. And the lion, and they show it, and they describe the lion, and they're like, it moves through the grasses, and, and it works its way as close as it can with like stealth and everything like that. And they said, and this is the part that stuck out to me, they said, do you know who the lion targets? The lion doesn't target the biggest, it doesn't target the fastest, the leader of the pack. A lion is looking for two kinds of prey. Number one, one that is weak and tired. One that maybe has an injury. That's the one that it's targeting in all the herd of wildebeest. And the second one, and this is the scarier one, it's the one that's isolated from the pack and that it's alone. And some of you all are shaking your head because you know right where I'm going with this. We here at the church need to make sure that we don't become disconnected from the local church and your local body of believers. If you're in a position of being disconnected from the church body, you're in serious danger of being attacked by the spiritual enemy and being taken down and devoured. Our enemy doesn't play around like a house cat. He attacks with the skill and power and focus of a seasoned killer. If this describes you right now, I urge you to get closely connected to other believers here at this local church. And we'll find out here at the end of the service how you can do that. Several weeks ago, actually months ago now, we got a connection card. <clears throat> Nothing on the back. Folded up a little bit. And I share these words with us. One, one line. That's all that was on the card. Not a single person would notice if I wasn't here. I shared this with, this with the staff several months ago. We prayed for whoever that person was. And if you're here and listening to the sound of my voice, I'm glad that you're here. But there's people that come in all the time, and though outwardly it might be all smiles, and every, there's that longing in their heart for connectedness, to bring them to a point of listening to the enemy's lives that say, maybe I just shouldn't be here at all. Being disconnected from the body will make you spiritually unhealthy and vulnerable. Third thing, connection allows us to care for church members who are struggling. As Hannah shared in her video, the reason she and her family are receiving care from this church family is because they chose to be connected here. We love their family. A couple weeks ago, Hannah and I got a chance to sit out in the lobby, and we talked about raising teenagers and the struggles of that and the joys of that and just praying for your kids, and I had a wonderful time with that. Hannah Mitchell was a prayer warrior as well. Back in 2015, our family went through a scare, uh, and we were carried along by our church family when my wife received a cancer diagnosis. We were terrified, and some of you in this room walked with that journey with us. Our kids at the time were ages 3 to 12. During that time, our church family brought us meals, watched our kids. A, local, a college student in the church came to live with us for three months. People gave us money. People prayed. People checked in on us. They sent us cards. They called, and they visited us during chemo appointments and sat with me and during different hospital stays. We are so thankful for the way that they cared for us, and this only happened because we were closely connected to our local church, and I can't imagine going through that 
without having a local church and a group of believers to hold us up during that time. At the beginning of that journey, um, I really didn't doubt that our church would come alongside and carry us. I remember telling that to someone, not in a uh, like boastful way, but just saying, I expect our church will come alongside of us and carry us. And we had had opportunities to walk alongside other people as they were going through suffering and difficult times. And when it came our turn, our whole job was just to say, okay, we're going to let you. And it's humbling. And I look back and I'm so grateful for that. We have people in our congregation now and in our church body and family that need to be cared for. Or tomorrow they're going to get the diagnosis or they're going to get that dreaded phone call. We as a church family can walk with people because connectedness allows us to care for people who are struggling. As a church, we handle life's struggles better together. In a moment here, I'm going to put a QR code up on the screen, and you're going to have opportunity with your phone to go ahead and follow the link that's on there. And you're going to find several ways where you can become connected with this church. Our goal through this whole series is to get more and more people connected to healthy relationships here with this local church body. Those areas include growth groups, care groups, and this will all be on that link, one-on-one mentoring, if you want to be mentored, or if there's someone um, that you want to mentor, to be a mentor, there's places to sign up for that. Our women's ministry, in their Bible study group, table groups, and in their mentoring program as well. Men's ministry, as we've started men's breakfast, I love being around those tables with those other men, and we want to connect more men to other Christian men for discipleship. Senior adult ministries, the, the busiest group um, and most active group in our church. Um, if, you want, if you're a senior adult and want to know more about that ministry, please follow that link. Student ministries, I'm so thankful as you all are investing in my kids that every student ministry night, there are trained adults to uh, disciple my kids and they partner with us as parents and we're so thankful for that. Maybe there's a new group um, that we don't currently have yet, but God's just laid that on your heart. I encourage you that you would write that down. There's a place in that. Click that link and follow that. Send those. I will receive the majority of these. Some of these will just shoot right off to the ministry leader. We will get back with you this week. We anticipate a little higher volume than normal of these kinds of contacts. But please, let us know those things. We want, you to, we want to help get you connected because we do life better together when we're connected. Let's shoot that QR code up on there as well. God's blessed us in so many ways um, here at this church. And we have an opportunity to, again, be more connected to each other. Maybe you're in that state where you're like, I don't feel connected to anybody here at this church. I would encourage you that you would follow those links and say, I I just need to be connected. And click on one of those in the little descriptions as well. And to see where God leads you to be more connected here. You will be healthier. You will find a church family who loves you and accepts you and actually wants you to be connected to us. But you've got to take that first step. That's what I'd encourage you guys to do. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a final closing song about how our dependency on Christ um, and how Christ um, is enough for us and that we can declare that he's holy. Jesus, I thank you that we get to be with you uh, this morning here in this room. And we've talked about so much Um, You desire for us to be connected. And I even think how you prayed in the garden that those who followed after these disciples um, would would be tight, that they would be one, just like you and your heavenly father were tight and that you were one in your connectedness. Jesus, help us to be a church where in everything that we do, we we function together in unity amongst our diversity and complexity. And that at the end of the day, we know you more 
and the world around us knows how great and awesome that you are and so that they'll turn to you and find their hope and salvation in you. We love you and I pray this in your name. Amen.